Iconic Talk. This is your community's podcast with conversations about real estate, local happenings, and all things Winchester, Virginia. I'm Mark Francis, a local realtor, broker, and owner at Icon Real Estates. And I'm Megan Eanes, a local realtor and part of the Icon Real Estate team. Mark and I are so excited to share everything that we love about Winchester, Virginia with you. We want you to be an informed, savvy real estate consumer in today's ever-changing market. Yep. If you want local knowledge, you've come to the right place. Welcome to March. We are here. And um, it's isn't it almost daylight savings time going to come back? I think it's coming soon. It is coming I'm soon. I'm so excited. I know it's going to be here before April. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I, you know, I don't know why I brought that up. I, and I don't even know what that date is. I think it's next week, isn't it? I don't there's, know, but I hope so. The sooner the better. There's something about just the daylight and seeing the sunlight longer just, later it, makes it, you feel, you, you just, know. Yeah, totally feel better. And I'm not a fan of the daylight savings time thing. Yeah. Well, it is next week. I mean, it's going to be not this weekend, but the following weekend. Okay. It'll be ready to go. I mean, I always say it's a Saturday, but then technically it's a Sunday. Right. So, yeah, on that March 11th, 12th time frame oh yeah there exciting. you go so, yeah. just not not that far away not that far away so it sounds like a, we both had some very exciting weekends going on with sports in our family so yeah. you had uh, hanley states hanley for St- indoor track states was it? indoor track and the team did amazing my son ran in two different um meets one was a four by 800 relay where the team came in fourth in the state and then he also ran the 3200 um, race, which is basically two miles, mm-hmm. 16 times around the track for an indoor track oh, goodness. and, um, came in 11th place in the state, got a personal record called a PR in mm-hmm. that world. Um, he, he won't mind me bragging about his time. Nine forty four for two miles, but yeah. Oh my God. Insane. Right. Right. And the cool thing about, um, that race was Pierce also trains with two amazing junior runners who have always been tops in the state. Well, they ran a tandem kind of tag team. I'm going to, I'm going to stream right behind you like a, like a bike cyclist Mm -hmm. to kind of catch a draft. They did that two laps at a time, had a complete strategy. And, um, then with like three or four laps left, they kind of split up, but they got first and second place in the state. That is so So, awesome. So I'm bragging about Hanley for all the people out there and James Wood, there's a runner for him that he came in, I think it was third or fourth. So it was amazing. Space Great for the, show for the, for the, for yeah. the community. And there was That's plenty, awesome. of, trust me, there's plenty of other runners as well who did short distance things. Um, uh, there is, uh, I think, third place for a couple of girls. Um, teams finished really strong. So, yeah, it was it was a good overall track experience. But, you know, it's indoor track. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the the preliminary just trainings for outdoor track. Right. So, so that should be starting sometime this month, won't it? The, end of, the yeah. end of March. You got it. Nonstop. So I was in uh, Stafford for the weekend for my daughter, Molly's championship swim meet for her short course season. And it was, it was amazing. I have, don't know if I've ever been more proud of her. And awesome. She, she just was just awesome. She ended up making it to finals in seven of her eight mm-hmm. events um, the one event that she didn't make it in, I don't think she was too upset. It was a hundred fly and yeah. anybody that knows anything about swimming, that event is not easy. That's <laughs> and, a killer, right? And if you make Straight it to finals, sprint. you got to do it again. So, but to make it to finals in seven out of her eight events was just awesome. And her whole team, Valley swim team, Phoenix just did an amazing job out of Strasburg. That's and they're, cool. they're just such a great little family. So I'm so proud of them awesome. and her 
but it was and a she long seems weekend. like she's getting more into it as well right she is she's getting more invested in the sport and as she gets success mm-hmm. she's well and it's it. it's funny because um we were talking about my my father-in-law lives in stafford so we were talking about either getting up early and going from friday morning for the for the meet or going thursday night and staying so we didn't have to get up as early mm-hmm. and i asked her i said what do you want to do well we'll let you make the decision and she said well I'm going to sleep in my own bed tonight. But she said, the swimmer in me, I know I need to get more rest and I'll get more rest at mm. granddad. So we're going to go. Wow. So we left See? Thursday night for the, for the swimmer in her. Yep. So I was yep. just, she's really thinking about things from a whole nother perspective. And I see her going pretty far in this. She's, she's nice. just I'm just so impressed by her. I'm so proud of her and the whole team. Well, my runner, I, I see a little bit of evolution as well mm-hmm. over his pretty short running career. Started his... Right pre-pandemic, is his freshman year, he started indoor track. And he was a soccer player before, and now he's track. At the time, he didn't even understand pacing. He didn't understand times. He's just like, I'm just going out there and running. Now he knows exactly his pace. Mm-hmm. He knows his distances of what he's good at. And when he came home from the track meet, he's starving. You know, he's, he'll eat any old junk right. food. He's like, I'm trying to be good. I don't want to eat unhealthily you know tonight and not let my body digest and i'm having a banana and some yogurt and then i'm gonna go to bed instead of just pounding burger and fries yeah. and pizza or whatever it would have been oh molly came home two weeks ago before um, from practice and she said coach says we need to lay off the sweets for the next two weeks and she likes her sweets and she didn't have anything i mean i was really impressed yeah. by that and we have a, a famous phoenix swim team pasta salad that we make for our swim meets so i had made that for her and she typically has it in the refrigerator at all times mm-hmm. and then we take it and she has it at the swim meets so that she can eat it so i'm just she really has turned a corner. I mean, she's always loved it, but yeah. now it's just, I think she's just as she's diving in. This is her thing and she knows it. Yeah. Well, the other cool thing about sports like this is that, you know, they get a chance to read about themselves in the paper. Right. You know, that's something that always like, it's like you go straight to it. And mm-hmm. on Wednesday after the race, you know, his name's in the paper and it talks about all that. So you can go back. If you're listening to yesterday's paper, you'll see some of the results of what I'm talking about. You guys can have the same thing, but the Winchester start is a great job for student athletes right. in our town and how they spotlight kids all the time. Yeah. Different kids, different, different sports. kids mm-hmm. and they get a chance to interview them. And so you get the flair of what's happening in your town in your community and even in your own family. So like we're parents bragging about our kids, right? you know, it happens all the time and you can brag more when they get their picture in the paper and or, and you can brag more yeah. when you have a podcast. You can. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so there's all kinds of opportunities that, you know, the kids have to, to just celebrate their successes right. and just, Sending a newspaper clipping to family around the country or around the state is kind of always a fun thing. No, I definitely agree. I mean, the the newspaper has value. I, I 100% agree with that, and I love being able to use it for that that resource um, to be able to see what our kids are doing, but also, I mean, to see what's going on in our community. Mm-hmm. I mean, our local newspaper, I, I think it's been around for I don't even know how many years at this point in time, a really long time, um, but I'm, we're lucky to have it. And is it going out of style? We don't know. But we will have an mm-hmm. interview guest with us here very shortly who is going to answer that question and more. It's where you get a chance to learn some of the behind-the-scenes life as a Winchester Star journalist. Um, his name is Joe Lefebvre, and he came here to town recently um, within the last four or five years. But he has gotten plugged into the community and mm-hmm. loves it just as much as you and I do. So here's our chat 
with journalists from the Winchester Star, and uh, he is a great guy. You'll learn a lot. Joe LaFay. Well, we're here with Joe LaFave, journalist from Winchester Star. How are you? Good. Good to be here. Thanks. Thanks. Welcome. Me. Thanks so much. It's, it's so cool because we love talking about all things Winchester, and there's hardly anyone that does it better than Winchester Star. I mean, they, they get out there and they see the sights and tell us what, what's going on in town. So, Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good paper. You know, it's owned by Ogden uh, Media, which is a company that's based out of Wheeling, West Virginia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of own a large share of small town, you know, 10 to 15,000 circulation newspapers. So uh-huh. I used to work for them uh, in Martinsburg, West Virginia, uh-huh. when my wife and I first moved up here. And then um, I went to go work for National Guard Magazine, and then I came back to work for them... Uh, September, October of last year. So okay. I work, uh, you know, so I freelance for both. Okay. Winchester Star yep. and for uh, the Northern Virginia Daily. It's the same editorial staff right. Right. Um, for the most part. Is right. it really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, which is nice. Uh, it gives us a lot of opportunity to pursue different stories. Like I have a huge area to cover, you mm-hmm. know, uh, pretty much from Linden to Clearbrook. Yeah. Um, that kind of L and everything in between. Um, we're when I worked at the Journal in Martinsburg, I covered Jefferson County and like that, specifically okay. Jefferson County. Yep. So uh, it's really nice to have so much flexibility of area to explore things. Right. Yeah, so, that's awesome. So but go back a little bit here and tell us how, like, you know, where you, you know where you where you came from, how you came up here, how you got into the business, where yeah, you started sure. school, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, so I was born right outside New Orleans, uh, but I grew up in Florida. A uh, little town called Cocoa Beach. Uh, I home actually of, have family there. Oh, do you really? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, home of Kelly Slater. Um, went to Florida State for undergrad in criminology. Uh, while I was there, I uh, joined the Midway Fire Department um, and then got my EMT license over the summer. So as I was in college, I also worked uh, for the fire department and then in the emergency room. And then when I graduated uh, for the ambulance. And then I uh, did that for about two years and went... After that, to go work for an aerospace company in um, Mississippi. And while I was there, I was living in New Orleans, and I met my now wife. And when she got into school in Shreveport, I followed her up there. And then that's kind of where I started uh, my journalism career, I guess. So how did you get to journalism from that? Right, yeah. Definitely from criminology and EMT to journalism. Yeah. So I was always a real big fan of uh, reading, especially narrative nonfiction. And it's funny, um, when I was 10, it was the year 2000. And the book Black or the movie Black Hawk Down came out, and I was you know as a ten year old boy I just really wanted to see this movie. It looked amazing, you know, yeah. Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, "That looks pretty violent. I don't think so." <laughs> but she said, "Hey, if you want, you can read the book. It's a real thick book by a guy named Mark Bowden, uh-huh. who, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, investigative reporters and nonfiction you know authors out there." So I read Black Hawk Down and got me hooked um, on narrative nonfiction. I mean, it's. Even at 10 years old, it was probably a little bit of an extreme book to read as a 10-year-old, um, but it really got me into that, so I've always been a lifelong reader and enjoyer of um, nonfiction work, uh-huh. but uh, when I was in Shreveport, you know, my wife was in school, and I was working a full-time job, and her school was very uh, diligent, or it took a lot of time, so I had a lot of free time, Yeah. so I started writing fiction, because I have... Pretty bad ADD, so I always am daydreaming. So <laughs> and then I you're just writing like, it all down. Yeah, so yeah. I started writing it down, and it turn you know it turns out that you know I might not be the greatest fiction writer. At least I wasn't <laughs> at the time. Uh, so I started looking, and I kind of looked at some of the uh, authors that I liked. Um, one of them was uh, Hunter S. Thompson. 
Um, and Hunter S. Thompson, when he was first starting out, um, he wrote word for word uh, Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea mm-hmm. to get his style and to kind of understand how to write. He yeah. literally copied it word for yeah. word. So I turned to Hemingway for inspiration. Uh, and so I started reading a lot of him hmm. and then doing kind of a deep dive into who he was. I learned that he started as a reporter. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so I started as a, a freelance reporter for Shreveport News. Huh. Um, and then from there, I joined uh, <clears throat> the Daily Caller uh, for on a freelance basis out of D.C., doing a lot of foreign policy and national security stuff. Uh, then I joined a kind of a small niche website called Soft Rep, or News Rep at the time. It was called Soft Rep. It was founded by a guy named Brandon Webb, um, who's a pseudo-famous Navy SEAL, hmm. and another guy named Jack Murphy, who's a um, good friend of mine, but he's a uh, former Green Beret. Uh, now an investigative journalist and an author. So I worked Hmm. for them doing uh, a whole lot of stuff. I started doing finance work, finance writing, and that kind of led me into these kind of niche, low-intensity conflicts. So then what brought you from Shreveport to this area? Oh, yeah, Because it was the Martinsburg (laughs) job? Or was it your wife? Yeah, my wife's job. So I moved up here and I did, uh, you know, I started working at the Daily Caller offices in Washington, D.C., and that's a hell of a commute. So I said, uh, I don't think so. I can't do this. So I started working up in uh, Martinsburg for the journal. And what does she do? She's a physician. So she works nice. in front row. Yeah. yeah. So we moved up here for her training. Mm-hmm. Um, we loved the area and loved the people she was working with. So we stayed. Yeah. No, I, 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 I can uh, equate to the whole, like, a lot of downtime when your wife or girlfriend or whatever is going through schooling. Like, yeah. Yeah. My wife went through PA school. Oh, wow. And yeah. not as intense as a physician, but... I, I get it. So there's there's a lot of that downtime and learning how to like, you know, live life on your own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're <laughs> a bachelor but not. So. Exactly. Yeah. I get it. No, that's good. Well, I'm glad you guys settled in this area because yeah. I we, we love the area, we love the town, and I'm I'm sure you've kind of grown into that. So how have you how have you grown into appreciating this part of the world? You know, for me, I think the biggest thing to kind of ground me um, to the area because the first year I was working in DC, so I wasn't here a lot. And then the last, and then the next two years, I spent working nights for Amazon and then for a startup company. So I just like didn't really get a chance to explore much. Um, but so last year, I decided to get a uh, part-time job coaching basketball hmm. at Randolph Macon, okay. uh, the JV team, mm-hmm. and that was kind of my first, you know, job in the community that kind of linked me to the community there in Front Royal, and hmm. I got to meet people and the parents, and that was kind of the way I. Um, I guess it gave me the confidence to feel like I maybe belonged here and like yeah. I was like I was a resident, yeah. you know, like I'm yeah. I live here now, I'm giving back, I'm yep. you know, this is my home now. Now yeah. how, how long have you been here? Uh it'll be five years okay. this year. Yeah. And then landing a job where you are a reporter, a journalist, yeah. allows you to, like you said, cruise the area from Linden to Clearbrook, right? Yeah. That's your current territory. How do you find the the stories how do you come up with what you're writing about is that something that as a freelance person you do on your own or does the newspaper kind of lead and guide and say go on a hunt for this specific story yeah it's a, that's a great question uh it's it's a little bit of both so i have the freedom to pitch things to my editor so i'll say hey i want to do a story about this and she'll say yes or no and then she'll also come back and say hey i want a story about this can you make it happen and yeah absolutely so mm-hmm. it's a little bit of back and forth you know and that's kind of as the editor, that's their role to kind of decide what they want, you know, and it, it, mm-hmm. if you read the news in the Winchester Star, not only is it 
local news, but then editorial staff yeah. curates yeah. national and world news. So mm-hmm. it's a balance of getting all those things in there. Yeah, and it's almost a little bit of like news and reporting, but it's also kind of the feel-good stories, or let's talk about the people, let's talk yeah. about, about yeah. the town, let's talk about the events and activities. And so do you specialize in a specific genre, or are you just out there and looking for any story possible? Yeah, so there's really, like, I guess, especially with local news, I'd say there's two types of stories. There's the meat and potatoes, like, I'm going to the town council meeting, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to come back and tell you what they talked about. Mm -hmm. And then there's what you call, like, the feel-good story, Mm -hmm. the more in-depth, what in the business they called feature stories. Um, I do a little bit of both. Now, as a freelancer, I do mostly features. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did, you and I talked. Yep. A couple weeks ago about the real estate market. So that story actually comes out tomorrow. Nice. Um, Oh, cool. I did a story last week about a Ukrainian church in Front Royal Hmm. that is, you know, marking the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um, So things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over Christmas, I kind of looked into some of the volunteer social service type things. So there's some really cool organizations out there that are offering support to especially people with young children or the elderly that we try to highlight. You know, a lot of it is to let people know that, hey, these resources exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially for a town of this size where, like, you, you know, it's not a huge town. There's there's a lot of those kind of small, like, kind of uh, almost, I'd call them, I, I call them feel-good stories. But the, the, the stories that are going to, energize you to be like yes winchester is a great town a great location i'm sure you get a chance to see and meet a lot of people out there as oh, yeah, well that's, that's kind of the best too you seem like a people person yeah you know i'm i my editor in uh martinsburg kind of said that i'm uh unique in the fact that i am more extroverted than out than than introverted a lot of reporters are more introverted apparently i i kind of am more outgoing and i tend to form more personal relationships especially when i interview people for better or worse uh-huh. you know i can't tell you if that makes it more effective or not, you know. I think it always does. It's more engaging. Can, yeah, it definitely is more engaging, especially can you have a you have a personal aspect to it. Especially there's a, a desire to get the as much information as possible to to write as good of a story as you can. Yeah. And I'm just from speaking from personal experience, if you drew out more information from me, I'm going to be more inclined to share with you mm-hmm. if you are also engaging with me as well so there's like a, the give and take that i think some people probably are scared of reporters of like what are you gonna what oh, are you gonna sure. say sure. what are you gonna twist how are you gonna twist mm-hmm. my words to to say what i'm not trying to say now, you know I'm, I'm curious do you have like a story in all this time you've been doing it that just really kind of sticks with you like one of your favorite ones that you've done yeah you want to talk about uh, up here or I can anywhere um, I Any think, story you've done? It's a great question. Uh, I did one that I felt was pretty interesting in uh, Martinsburg about an author up there um, who contacted us on a rainy day. And this kind of goes to what you're talking about. Yeah. You kind of, when you go in, sometimes when I go into an interview, I'll have a few questions jotted down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't have anything jotted down. And that, whether it be laziness or, you know, it's my method, who knows. Um, but this guy called the newspaper and he said, Hey, I'm a writer and I, uh, I want to do, a, I want you to write a story about me and the dark side of writing. <laughs> My editor like hands me this note and he's like, Hey man, you got nothing going on. You want to go out there? I was like, sure. So I got out there and it ended up being a, a really kind of intense experience. Um, you know, where this, I met a person who was obviously going through some kind of crisis, um, you know, and you're in a strange house. Um, and there's a bottle of booze and pills everywhere. It was, it was really chaotic. Um, and it was a really chaotic interview. And I was a little, um, 
apprehensive, I guess, yeah, about being there. But I ended up, you know, sit, sitting there for like two hours, and I wrote what I thought was a really good story about this guy. Um, and then he contacted me like two months later and said, "Hey, why don't you come back out?" And he had had a, a epiphany, I guess, and a lot of people had reached out to him to check on him, and he had, you know sobered up and cleaned up his house I don't, you know who knows how much right, he sobered right. up but yeah it was like a definite <laughs> improvement and he was like hey thanks for you know writing about it you know until i saw it in print i wasn't aware of how bad it was so then i wrote yeah. another story about it was kind of like a fall and rise which i thought was cool yeah um <clears throat> it's not often that a newspaper journalist gets a chance to write a follow-up piece mm-hmm. i would imagine where like there's kind of the, the before and after or here's where it was before and, and here's kind of a reaction to it. I, I would imagine that that's kind of appealing. It brings out the creative writer in you. Yeah. To- and I'm really lucky. Like there's such a, it's such a hard business because I mean, it, it's so hard to compete as a, as a print media um, just because of the speed of, mm-hmm. of digital. Uh, so when you're on, you know, the newspaper beat, I mean, you're trying to plan out your days and your stories and there's just like not, you know, there's only X amount of time in the day to go right. pursue these other things. So right. as a freelancer, I feel like I'm given a little bit of freedom mm-hmm. uh, to pursue, thing, mm-hmm. pursue things here. So, so. Get, walk us through a day in the life of a journalist, a freelance reporter, even a week by week basis. You know, so you mentioned that you do interviews, you talk to people. Then how long does it take to write the story? How long does it take for the story to get published? What does all that look like for you? And how many do you do in a week? Okay. Yeah, it really depends on the week. I try to plan it out probably month by month. So, mm, okay. Um, you know, I work right now for the Winchester Star and the Northern Virginia Daily, uh, but I also do a little bit of freelance work for a healthcare website called Epic mm. Health. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of yep. doing feature stories about them. Okay. Um, and I write for Reserve and National Guard magazine um, just because when I was a local reporter in Shreveport, I started uh, following the National Guard unit there and then i ended up at national guard magazine in dc working for the association so i that's kind of uh you know where i think i specialize is understanding variety in your tool belt there yeah for sure yeah um so i write for them and then i write you know obviously for the local newspaper here and then i uh recently did a story this year about uh an ems helicopter crew in panama city florida which i actually wrote before i had a uh, place to run it but that was kind of fun so Hmm. You know, you really plan out like, hey, these are the stories I'm going to run, mm-hmm. or I'm going to write this month, mm-hmm. and then you break it down. Like, so I have a story coming out. I have two stories coming out this month. One is about the Reserve and National Guard's role in the uh, invasion of Iraq in 2003. So I've been working on that story for a few mm-hmm. months because it's taken you know a long time to mm-hmm. track down veterans and things like that and do interviews. Mm-hmm. But then there's other stories, you know, especially locally here that I can do in a day or, or two days. Um, and that's when you go and you go out to the interview and mm-hmm. you do it and you do a little bit of research mm-hmm. and then you write it. And that's when you want to make sure that you have kind of at least a basic idea of what you're going to write about. Right. Because it, 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 it goes by fast. I mean, just those quick interviews and then you process it, synthesize it, put it out there to where the general public can understand it. Yeah. And, and read it and gain some information. What's helped me a lot, like when I first started, especially when I was reporting on the National Guard, because a lot of time in the field, I wasn't recording my interviews and I was trying to Hmm. take notes and things like that. And then I would go back and I wouldn't be able to read my own handwriting (laughs) and I'd have to go back and confirm quotes. So the, you know, having a recorder in your phone has been a super powerful tool. Yeah. You mentioned speed of media right now. And and so we're talking the the print media and Mm -hmm. you mentioned digital. 
Yeah. So the digital media is a completely different animal where things come out in minutes and hours. And here you're talking days, weeks, and months at a time. How do you, how do you see the industry morphing? And especially with that, is, is the newspaper a dinosaur? Mm. Is magazine print a dinosaur? Uh, and, and how does that impact your life? I mean, you know, for my life, uh, you know, I'm lucky, right, that I have a enough interest and in, um, experience writing in different media formats that I think, you know, me personally, I feel like I'd be okay. Right. As far as the newspaper, I mean, yeah, it's circulations are down and things like that. But in 2000 or 2019, I probably would have been like, yeah, I think it's really dying. But, you know, it's 2023 at this point. They have not died. Still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it, I think, comes down to the issue of funding. There's a lot of websites, especially national websites, news websites that do not charge for their stories. And they are either like subsidized by foundations mm-hmm. or large donations. Mm-hmm. So they're able to provide that. They, that they, they're not essentially selling a product. Versus mm-hmm. the newspaper, you're trying to get people to buy individual papers. Mm-hmm. And it's really a balance of providing a, a, a product that is value added. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, in this market where there's not a lot of media to begin with, it's a little bit easier for us. Um, well, and what, what happens for us, the readers of Winchester Star, is we're learning about our town right. through a newspaper print that we're not going to get digitally. We're not going to get through. There's no real true blog posts. Yes, Iconic Talk is one that you're going to get That's a true. lot of information <laughs> and news about what's happening around town. But there is people lean on it. Uh, you know, for sports stories of their mm-hmm. kids or for family members doing something fun and cool or just any activity around town. This st- it's still the source, I believe, for our area, which mm-hmm. is a valuable tool. I was really surprised uh, by how many people that read it and, you know, would reach out to me and say, like, hey, um, I wrote a story in December about uh, a woman in Strasbourg who the last Wednesday of every night. She goes to the laundromat in Strasbourg and she has a bag of quarters and she fills up everybody's laundry if they need it. It's called Laundry Love Night. Mm-hmm. And she said that, so I wrote a story about her, you know, it was pretty quick in and out, like 30 minutes. Um, and she reached out to me and said, hey, someone read the story and, you know, donated $100. Aww. So, you know, it's a lot of, so yeah. like having that kind of impact, you know, I was really surprised you're still able to have that kind of impact. Yep. Um, and people do still get really excited about having their picture in the paper or, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially when I worked in, in Martinsburg, people would call me like, hey, my kid uh, is like a Rhodes Scholar or something. And those are fun, you know, and I think that those stories, whether they, you know, there is that if it bleeds, it leads stereotype, but there is right. something right. to say about celebrating, <laughs> you know, the successes in mm-hmm. our town. And, um, you know, it's kind of the beauty of living a small town. Yeah. We get to, we at least I, and I think a lot of other people want to celebrate the successes of my neighbors. That's kind and of And you why don't want to look right. at all the horror stories around the world that you can get yeah. any other outlet. You know, let's let's look at the, celebrate the lives and celebrate the community as best as possible. And mm-hmm. I think the star does that. I, I think so too. I will say I handed in a story about that Ukrainian church. Yeah. And the first 500 words were about uh, like the 1930s Holomodor genocide mm. in Ukraine. Mm. And my editor was like, hey, mm. we don't need that. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, this is supposed to be a feel good story. Not right. A, um, so there is, I really, you know, we do have a really good editorial staff. That's great. Yeah. What's your process when you actually sit down to write? Is it all just kind of come out of you? Um, you know, I like to transcribe the interview first. Uh, I worked with a woman in Martinsburg um, 
named Bree, and she really taught me that like the power of transcribing, and that's kind mm. of where the story is. So I used to write the story and kind of transcribe and try to plug in quotes. And now I transcribe the whole interview first, and then I kind of go back and see what I have. It's almost like treasure hunting. Like when I was a kid uh, growing up in Florida, there was a lot of excitement because a guy named Mel Fisher had discovered like the Atocha gold from this sunken Spanish galleon like in the golden age of sail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had done it. And so it was like everywhere where I lived was all this stuff about how he did it in these massive air blowers. And, you know, he would really grab like a lot of the seabed, pull it up and they have to sift through it. And sometimes it can feel like that when you're doing an interview and you, you know, we'll talk for two hours yeah. and then you're like, oh, but I got 20 minutes of like a really amazing story. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you also, if you talk to somebody for two hours, like, you know, I, I'm proud of the fact that most people I interview or interact with professionally, I have a good relationship with afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but you know, I definitely try to um, make that a priority. Yeah. That's, that's valuable. And I can see, I can see that again in your personality, being an extrovert and liking to talk to people that that's again, I can't emphasize enough. That's helpful for just sharing a story for people mm-hmm. to, to learn a, a human interest story, to understand the community better, to appreciate the town. There's just, there's a value added there. So instead of just somebody looking for the negative. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned earlier that you have ADHD and you kind of go with your daydreams. Um, I have it too. And I, I totally get that concept because mom, when you dream, it's, it's like watching a movie in your head. It is the coolest thing. There's so many positives to ADHD, but when you mention how you take notes and you can't go, when you go back, you can't read them. I'm, I snickered a little because I'm so guilty of that. Cause you do it and you write it down quick and you, you miss letters <laughs> yeah. and you're just, you're moving on to the next thing. And it's, it's funny. So I just, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a special little superpower is what I think ADHD is. My mom, my mom thinks that she's like severely dyslexic. She, mm-hmm. she, she sees beauty in that as well. Mm-hmm. She was a elementary school teacher. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously that kind of, it's cool that someone with that kind of disability can overcome that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting how we all see the world differently. There's hope oh, for everyone I, and I, there's, yeah. there's a job for everyone. That is true. Specific skills. Mm-hmm. So we here at Iconic Talk, we haven't always done this recently, but we have three now we used to have five so it'd be lucky three iconic questions mm-hmm. cool. that we like to ask each of our guests yeah i got plenty so, of plenty of time so you guys right. <laughs> we are here for it so the first question is just what do you like about your local neighborhood where mm. you currently live now i like that there's a lot of young families i like that my neighbor and i even though like we're not hanging out i like that we're friendly and i know them and i know that so when i was uh, kind of go back when i yep. was in new orleans i lost a house to an arson fire um, which was really traumatic and it left me with a lot of residual anxiety about leaving my house because you come back and someone has firebombed it or whatever. Yeah. It was not like, a, I just want to be clear, it was not like a retaliation against me. It was yeah. like an insane person, but it was still very traumatic. Mm-hmm. And it was the second time I've lost everything I owned because in 2004 we lost our house to uh, Hurricane Francis. Oh, goodness. So what I really like about where I live is that I know that if something was to happen in my house and I wasn't there, I'd get a phone call. Mm. And there's enough people around mm-hmm. that I feel like we're all safe kind of together. Yep. Um, and that makes me feel really good because yeah. I haven't necessarily had that not in, I really like my neighbors in New Orleans and I really like my neighbors in Shreveport, but I didn't necessarily feel like it was the safest place to be. Different vibe here. Yeah. Love it. Second question. Megan, go for um, it. What's your favorite local restaurant? Oh, that's a great question. Um, 
Can I do each? But I'll do each town if you'd like. <laughs> Fire away. So up. Okay, so <laughs> that way there's you're not gonna yeah. just isolate one. Well, yeah. So I'll offend. I'll offend everybody. Right. Sure. Because then it'll be why didn't you pick me? So I think <laughs> uh, in Woodstock, it's got to be Mary Mary Botanitas, mm-hmm. um, the new like authentic Mexican place. I think it's yep. one of the best Mexican places I've been to. Yep. Um, Strasburg, I'd have to say Pancake Underground. Hmm. I really like the chicken and waffles that they do. They do like a really cool apple barbecue chicken. And I love, I don't know, I'm a geek for local food like that. You know, like I yeah. still cook like jambalaya and stuff yeah. mm-hmm. from when I was in New Orleans. And I love that when places up here like incorporate like apples and things like, you know, as simple right. as it is. Like I love that we have a food a local culture. Yeah. Yep. Like I didn't grow up in it. Like in, in Florida, like I didn't have like a food. Florida doesn't have a food. Right. I don't think. Right. <laughs> Key lime pie, maybe in the Keys, mm-hmm. you know, Natty Ice beer. Like I guess, you know, like cheap, cheap Maybe fish tacos, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I sure. think it's more California. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But, um, so yeah, in Strasbourg, it'd be Pancake Underground. Uh, in Front Royal, I'm going to go with Vibrissa, the, yep. the brewery. Um, yep. they, and they brought in a new chef a while ago. And they brought one here to local, to yeah. Winchester. And that one's awesome. And I really like what they're doing with the menu. And I think the beer's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we are really lucky to have such a good craft beer scene here. Um, going up to Winchester, my favorite place here. It's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna go with Water Street, uh, Water Street Kitchen downtown. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, if we were if you were to ask me like, hey, where do you want to go? I'd be like, let's go to Water Street. Let's go walk down the street. And then what have I missed? Um, uh, is there anything north near near the Clearbrook or even uh, there hit, is there's hit the a, Martinsburg area or I, Inwood? I really wish I knew the name of the restaurant. It is in Clearbrook, um, but they do a peanut butter and jelly chicken wing. And when I used to work wow. nights at Amazon, there'd be a few of us who we would normally order food every night. And I've gotten the peanut butter and jelly chicken wings. There's some homework times. for you. Yeah. For all the listeners, go find let the, us know find what the that peanut is. peanut butter and yeah. jelly chicken yeah. wings. <laughs> and try it. It's uh, be adventurous. Oh, awesome. And third and final question. You've already touched on this, but give us just one final take. What's something that you think makes our area special? Oh, there's so much. Yeah. I mean, it's such a great place to live. It's such a, I'll say this, it, it, it's such an easy place to live. You know, we're not boarding up our house mm-hmm. six months out of the year which you know as a kid you know it becomes something that you're used to but now as an adult who has elderly parents back in florida like, mm. it's something that i am very cognizant of right. how hard that is yeah so it's a very easy place to live um you know the weather is is great the infrastructure is in my opinion like pr- pretty decent mm-hmm. you know coming from mm-hmm. um, louisiana which you know, right, wrong, or different. It, yeah. You know, I, especially when I lived it's in different. New Orleans, I had friends that would come down and they'd be like, "Hey, it looks like you live in the third world." Yeah. And I love it, but it like legitimately does look with all the potholes and things. So I love the infrastructure down here, and then like the the amalgamation of people. We have some great. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool microcosm of, you know, people that have been in this area for hundreds of years, and then people that are brand new to this area. But I feel like there's so many people that come to this area that bring like a lot with it's like them. a melting pot yeah uh, yeah of sorts of especially more recently with people moving into town and not many people moving out of town yeah. so you're, we're getting this kind of more merging right. of a local winchester community that's maybe different than it might have been 25 years ago mm-hmm. right and i think you know i hope at least that it continues to be yeah. a successful merge and I feel like you know at least for my part i feel like i was welcomed when i first moved here i didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, localism or, or tribalism, you know, yeah. which I think, you yeah. know, growing up in Florida, you know, surfers are like, you're, that's 
big thing is, is tribalism and mm-hmm. protecting of where you're from. And if, you know, you don't know, it, it's a it's a big thing. And I kind of expected it to be that way when I moved up here. And I was a little bit afraid and I was really yeah. overwhelmed with how everyone was like, oh, hey, welcome. And we're just glad you're here. Yeah. Well, well welcome. That and, speaks to it. And we're there glad you you're here. We're glad you're here. <laughs> well, just uh, is there anything that you wanted to promote about yourself or about uh, your career? We like to always give people an opportunity for that. So feel free as realtors we like to give out our information yeah we do but you might not so i'll give you the opportunity and freedom to to share whatever you want to share about promoting what you do uh yeah you could follow me on twitter at Lef- at lefave joseph um i'm not super active i'm just like not that great at twitter some people really excel in that medium mm-hmm. um, i'm not one of them you can follow me there mm-hmm. um i don't know what the what the future holds for me but i'd like to keep doing more work uh, both with the with the local media here and yeah. with the Reserve and National Guard magazine. So I've been in talks with the public affairs officer for the Virginia National Guard about doing some stories about the unit up here in Winchester. Cool. I think that is super important for people in the community to know like a lot about what their local National mm-hmm. Guard unit can do. Hmm. Again, coming from Louisiana and Florida, right. you know, my first memories of the National Guard were them and Humvees bringing my mom and I bags of ice, hmm. you know, when there's no power. Hmm. Right. Um, and it's when you really get into that microcosm, that is really a great glimpse, a glimpse of the community. Like if you really want to take a look at like who all lives in this spot, take a look at the Guard unit because you're going to have folks hmm. from every walk of life, every race, every, you know, political view and it's yeah. fantastic and yeah. um i'd really like to start highlighting the work they do cool and you know highlight some of the folks not only the work they do in the guard but the work they do here in the community because yeah. there's a seems to be a common thing with guardsmen where they don't just serve two days a month mm-hmm. and two weeks a year they seem to be people in the community that do things here on their off time that give back as well, whether it be coaching or working for the civil service or things like that. Yeah. Well, you can keep doing what you're doing because it's definitely a benefit to our community. Winchester star is lucky to have you. Our town is lucky to have you keep promoting our town and just sharing the the good around the world. So thanks so much for being here. We love having you and just, uh, that was great. Yes. Keep telling us more about what you've got going on down the road. Thanks Joe. Awesome. Well, that was fascinating because I love hearing behind the behind the scenes conversations for really any industry. Right, me too. But the the newspaper journalism kind of industry is always kind of an unknown thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the the question that I really wanted to get was, how do you come up with these stories? And you right. was able to unpack that yeah. very openly. So in, in his history and kind of how he got into the business and. Um, I mean, really fascinating, mm-hmm. especially to go from, you know, a degree in criminology and right, being right. an EMT, EMT. to <laughs> an, a, a freelance writer. Yeah. So it, it was really great. It just shows that like, yeah, over time you can use your personality and your skills and your giftedness and your kind of passions. Right. And do it something to make a living. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be a book in his future. That's what I was thinking too. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go down that path, but I I really saw that's an option down the road. If he starts continuing to get kind of more niche in his freelance options and he's like, oh, I have some more time, you know, squirrel away. Right. You never know. You never know. But I, I haven't mentioned my grandmother in a long time on, on our podcast, but she is one who has gravitated to the Winchester Star 
and she obviously is of that generation mm -hmm. where, you know, reading the newspaper every day is a thing, which there's plenty of people in our generation, even younger that right. do it. But she says, I love this newspaper. She's like, I learned so much. She's like, this is way better than my small town, Florida newspaper where I came from. And she, she'll read it every single day from front to cover. And she'll be the one who informs me on things that I might have missed. In now, the have paper. you? did you still get the hard copy of the newspaper prior to her moving in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it still comes to our back porch alley. It's there. And I, I know it's changing and they're getting mm -hmm. delivered with the, with the post postal service instead of the actual just uh, delivery men early in the mornings. But um, so instead of reading it with her breakfast, she'll maybe read it with her lunch. So no, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. It'll as long as you're still getting it. As long as, as, long as we're still getting it. Yep. Well, speaking of our town and small town things and our community, what is going on for this coming week and weekend? So coming up tonight at 6 p.m. is an annual Renahan auction and spaghetti dinner. The Sharando FFA is putting on a dinner is a free will offering at the Sharando High School cafeteria. Hmm. There is also a Patsy Klein Remembrance Weekend that's Saturday from 10 to 4 and Sunday from 10 to 1 at the Historic House on Kent Street. That's Patsy Klein's home where she grew up. Awesome. Um, and at the Shenandoah Memorial Park Cemetery. Um, there's also a bluegrass concert that's coming up on Saturday from 7 to 10.30. Junior Sisk and Terry uh, Bochum's Dukes of Dry. That's going to be at the Clark County High School to benefit the school. So I guess that would be outside, I, I'm assuming. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's inside. Maybe it's inside. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe somewhere at Clark County High School. Benefit the school too. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's also a lost cat, uh, low cost dog and cat vaccine. That's Wednesday, March 8th from 4 to 6 p.m. It's cash only. Uh -huh. Helps keep the prices low. That's on uh, 310 North Bookmarsh. Buck Marsh, if I can read today. Yeah. Buck Marsh Street in Berryville. They do recommend appointments. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just a really cool thing. It's you can get a rabies shot for ten dollars, December shot for fifteen, Bordetella eighteen, microchips for twenty. Those are great deals. Anybody that has pets. A chip? You can get a chip for twenty dollars. <laughs> a microchip for twenty dollars. You gotta do that for your dog. Yeah, if I'm, nothing my, else. We chipped our dog. I mean we did too. Must have, because you never know. She'll go rogue and run down the street. Who knows what'll happen? Yeah, so. these are really great prices. So <laughs> if you're looking for any of those needs, that's gonna be March eighth. Awesome. And, uh, in Berryville. Look at that. Yeah. Like that is those are some really diverse and fun, unique things coming up. Here. I agree. So, I love it. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Iconic Talk, and we hope you learned something from today's episode. Look forward to sharing more with you next week. Remember, when you're looking for a real estate professional, make sure they are experienced, innovative, personal, dedicated, and available. We appreciate you spending some of your valuable time with us. We can be found on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your pod podcasts. We would love it if you would take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. There you go. And thanks to our editor extraordinaire, Simeon Battaglia. Until next time, think iconic. <laughs>